Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual and spirited community dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth and meaning, and we're very glad you're here. I welcome those of you who often come to our church in person and those of you who often join us online. We are putting this worship service together from our homes, as many people are, until we feel it's safe for our congregation to be in the building together again, and we're looking forward to that so much. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. And when we are together, we greet the divine in our midst by turning to one another and welcoming one another to the service. We can do that in the comments here though. So say hello, tell us where you're watching from and greet the others in the congregation. Among our traditions in Unitarian Universalist churches is that we begin our services by lighting a chalice, which is a symbol of our faith. I will now light our chalice as I invite you to say with me our words for lighting the chalice. We light this chalice so that its flame may signify the spiritual strands of light that bind our hearts and souls with one another. Even while we must be physically apart, we bask in its warmth together. A Walk by Reiner Maria Rilke. My eyes already reach the sunny hill, going far ahead of the road I have begun. So we are grasped by what we cannot grasp. It has an inner light, even from a distance, and changes us, even if we do not reach it, into something else, which, hardly sensing it, we already are. A gesture waves us on, answering our own wave. But what we feel is the wind on our faces. This congregation has a mission that we wrote ourselves and we revisited every seven years. This one is from about three years ago, not so different from the one we had before. We say it together every Sunday. Our children learn it and it guides our steps as we decide how to move into the future together. We wrote it on the wall of our congregation, but right now you can see it on your screen so that we can say it together. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. For our moment for beloved community this morning, I wanna tell you about a decision we made about music this week. On the music plan was a song by Camper Van Beethoven called Take the Skinheads Bowling our singers had already worked on it and their work was great. We were thinking of it as a catchy nonsense song advocating, reacting to those disaffected and threatening without fear. It was a crazy dream in the song about calling a truce, reaching out to the angry people and maybe things could be better. That was the intention. Here's where I learned Again, one of the most important lessons about beloved community. One of our musicians wrote to say that the song was hurtful to him and his family. 
that the near ancestors of those skinheads had created the camps in which his ancestors had been exterminated, and he couldn't be part of singing a catchy little ditty about them. I explained to him that that was not the intent, that we were taking away the power of the threatening beings through ridicule, like the people that protest the Westboro Baptist Church folks with signs that say, God hates figs, with a scripture reference from the Gospel of Mark where Rabbi Jesus curses a fig tree, really. Then I remembered, and it took me a while, all the anti-racism training that I've had in my life, learning that there is the intent of things I say and do, and then there's the impact, intent versus impact, and both must be given weight. Impact though, when it comes to groups who have been marginalized and oppressed, has to be given more weight. And when a member of that group tells you that something you're doing is doing harm, you believe them. You believe them and don't argue with them, explaining your benign intent. You believe them. So we aren't singing that cute song today. And it's the right thing to do. I'm glad we finally realized that. Good morning. I'm Kelly Stokes, and I'm sitting in my backyard in front of a big bush that's had lots of pink and yellow flowers and lots of butterflies all over it for the last couple weeks. And I kept thinking I wanted to come out here and show you these flowers and the butterflies and record a story. And then in the last few days, all of the flowers have started dying and the butterflies have started going away. And I thought, oh, well, maybe I've missed my chance, but maybe I should just try it anyway and see what happens. And if nothing else, they can see a pretty green bush. But look what I found. What do you do with a chance? By Kobe Yamada, illustrated by Mae Bessem. One day I got a chance. It just seemed to show up. It acted like it knew me, as if it wanted something. I didn't know why it was here. What do you do with a chance? I wondered. It fluttered around me. It brushed up against me. It circled me as if it wanted me to grab it. I started to reach for it, but I was unsure and pulled back. And so it flew away. I thought about it a lot. I wished I had taken my chance. I realized I had wanted it, but I still didn't know if I had the courage. When another chance came around, I wasn't so sure, but I decided to try. I went to reach for it, but I missed and fell. I was embarrassed. I felt foolish. It seemed like everyone was looking at me. I decided I never wanted to feel this way again. So after that, whenever a chance came along, I ignored it. And the more I ignored them, the less they came around. Until one day I noticed that I hadn't seen a chance in quite a while. It was as if they had all disappeared. I started to worry, what if I don't get another chance? I know I acted like I didn't care, but the truth was, I did. I still wanted to take a chance, but I was afraid. And I wasn't sure if I would ever be brave enough. Then I thought, 
maybe I don't have to be brave all the time. Maybe I just need to be brave for a little while at the right time. I realized it was up to me. I promised myself that if I ever got another chance, I wasn't going to hold back. I, if I got another chance, I was going to be ready. Then, one seemingly ordinary day, I saw something shining far off in the distance. Is it possible? I hoped. Could this be my chance? I had to find out. I ran as hard and as fast as I could toward it. I don't know how to explain it, but the second I let go of my fears, I was full of excitement. It wasn't that I was no longer afraid, but now my excitement was bigger than my fear. As I got closer, I could see that this was a really huge chance. But this time, I was ready. As it came by, I reached out and grabbed it. I held on with all my might. It felt so good to soar, to fly, to be free. I see now that when I hold back, I miss out. And I don't want to miss out. There's just so much I want to see and do and discover. So, what do you do with a chance? You take it, because it just might be the start of something incredible. The end. Today's reading comes to us from white American punk musician and poet, Patti Smith. I was dreaming in my dreaming. God knows a purer view. As I lay down to my sleeping, I commit my dream to you. People have the power, the power to dream, to rule, to wrestle the world from fools. It's decreed the people rule. It's decreed the people rule. Listen, I believe everything we dream can come to pass through our union. We can turn the world around. We can turn the Earth's revolution. We have the power. People have the power. Now's the time in our service for meditation and prayer where we become quiet and speak or listen to God as we understand God or listen to our inner wisdom or just listen to our breaths come in and out of our bodies. If you're able at this time, if you're not chasing children and if you don't have dogs leaping up into your lap, let's take a few breaths together. I'm going to say a prayer, but you are welcome to go on thinking your own thoughts or meditating as I speak. We are so mindful of being together at a distance during this time. We're so grieving over the people who are sick and the people who are dying and the people who have lost those they loved, and the people who have had to go across the threshold of death without benefit of their families holding their hands. 
being right there, singing to them or talking to them. We're immensely grateful for the medical providers who are by the bedsides of those who are sick and dying. Hearts hurt for the workers who are forced to work in dangerous conditions during this time in the interests of keeping the economy going. It is our fervent wish and our fervent will that we make a culture in which people can work and be safe at the same time. We ask for peace at this time. We ask for determination, persistence, and clarity. And now we can light the candles we have in our homes, candles of joy or sorrow, determination, hope, and remembrance. This situation is so strange for most of us. We're just having to make it up as we go along. And that reminded me of the punk movement. (laughs) It's a very DIY movement. Do it yourself and make do with what you've got. And don't worry about having the training or having the money to rent a studio. Just do it in your garage and, and, do it with the clothes you've got and and you don't have to be good on your instruments just express your passion and that made me think about unitary universalist theology and the ways that we're kind of like that so there is a hand gesture that perfectly expresses the attitude of punks in the united states and i can't do it because this is church but For some reason, I feel like I can do an equivalent gesture that I got from my childhood in Philadelphia, which is this. So I will substitute that when I need a hand gesture. Okay. 
So it's England in the 1970s. And Margaret Thatcher, the Iron Lady, has closed down all the coal mines. Nobody has much work. The economy is crashing. The empire is declining, as it should. And um, the biggest rock band of the era was Led Zeppelin, who were just showy and huge curly hair and guitars turned up to 11 and satin pants and they sang about English folklore and and sex and love and they sang about having a bustle in your hedgerow which I, I never really did know what that meant being American so you have these kids who have no hope of work and they're on the street and they are as far from satin pants as they could possibly be and as far from a record deal as they could possibly be. And I love Led Zeppelin, but that music just didn't speak to this generation. It didn't express the anger and the disaffection and they had plenty to say and every generation with plenty to say needs its own music to add to the palette of other music that already exists. Um, so they started making their own music. Now, all this is tremendously oversimplified. I'm just giving you the impression of what happened, where they are like, I don't have money for a studio. I'm never going to get a record deal. All of them. I'm just going to do what I can. I'm going to express myself. I'm going to play my guitar. I'm going to show my rage. I'm going to express the feelings of my heart, and I'm going to look cool while I do it. And I am going to say this to satin pants and expensive instruments. Here, I'm going to take some safety pins and stick them through my pants where they have holes, and I'm going to even stick safety pins in my ear because life is pain and we can take it. If you can shout, you can sing. If you can hop up and down, you can dance. Expertise is overrated. I, I think they just didn't really need croony songs about the stairway to heaven. They needed something loud. And they needed something immediate. And they needed something they could do themselves. And so <clears throat> here's a guitar. Here's a chord. Find that chord. Here's a simpler way to make that chord. Power chord. Here's another one. Here's a third one. You got three chords now. You can pretty much sing any song in the world. And you can make up thousands of songs just using these three chords. And if you just sing your heart out, you don't have to have a beautiful voice. You just express your passion in whatever you, way you want to. You express your rage. You express your disaffection with your friends, loud, fast, aggressive. And it sounds angry, but angry can be ecstatic too and sexy. So many bands were trying to be Led Zeppelin at that time, but they were all pale imitations of Led Zeppelin. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, and to quote him, uh, he said, I hate quotations, but I'm gonna quote him anyway. 
He said, imitation cannot go above its model. The imitator dooms himself to hopeless mediocrity. The inventor did it because it was natural to him. And so in him, it has a charm. In the imitator, something else is natural. And he bereaves himself of his own beauty to come short of another person's. So when you do things from your own soul, they have soul, they have charm, they have immediacy. If you sing something loud, you sing it short. You can sing it aggressively. If that's how you feel, that's got a charm. And you make it up yourself. So as I said, the punk movement was a do-it-yourself movement. It was a we-don't-need-no-education kind of movement. It was a um, I don't have to play beautifully because I'm playing from my soul. And if I have soul, that's good enough for me and my people. And if it's not good enough for the record company, then I'll make my own records and I'll sell them to my friends. I think you can learn without being taken under the wing of a great teacher. I think that's a very transcendentalist thing to try. If you're an outcast, just be an outcast. If you're uh, uh, enjoying the freedom of, I don't need to pay attention to you, then enjoy the freedom of that. If you want to make it up yourself, you make it up yourself. Now, the U.S. punks didn't have the despair of the U.K. punks, but we did have uh, Washington, D.C., and we did have the beginnings of the AIDS crisis and we did have a government who was just with its fingers in its ears just humming to try to ignore the deaths of all these americans and they ignored the situation in washington dc also and there were a lot of african-american punk bands a band called death and a band called uh, bad brains that were operating in the D.C. area, some of the founders of the punk movement were black punks. And the gay kids loved punk because you're outcast, then you go, I don't need to be anything but outcast. I have gender questions. I can be a punk and be accepted by the punks. And so... If you say, I have to dress as a male and a female, or male or a female, then I don't want to choose. I'm going to say this to that. I'm going to be who I need to be. So the punk bands came out of the garage bands that just made their own music in the garage rather than in the studio, experimenting, doing things. We're going to make our own. And so I'm reminded of Unitarian Universalists because... We have a very strong tendency to make our own theology. We even encourage it. We even have a class called Make Your Own Theology. And other people look askance at that. People with denominations that have doctrine and that have creeds, they say, you can't make up your own. You have to be trained. You have to believe certain things. And the Unitarians just went, no, we don't. We don't. We can make it up. We can take a little bit of Christianity that we started with. We've read the Eastern scriptures now in the late 1800s. They were translated. We've read the 
Hindu scriptures, we've read Buddhist scriptures. We're going to mix those together and we're going to make transcendentalism. You can't do that. Hey, yes, we can. So our roots are in people who, they were not in the punk movement, but they behaved in kind of a punkish sort of way. The thing is, a punk attitude, it's hard to have it last for a really long time, especially for us Unitarian Universalists. We overlap here with punk, a lot of us, because we come into the world as geeks and nerds, and we don't fit into this world. We don't fit into straight beauty standards. We don't like the culture that we're born into. And so we're going to make our own. We're going to make our own world with science fiction and with anime and science fiction isn't new but geeks and nerds dressing up and acting out different worlds has become pretty common and pretty central to a lot of people's spiritual life uh we have burners in the congregation who go to burning man you reject the culture of i'll pay you this for that and go to burning man and have this barter culture that that is so precious to the people who go there. So you can make your own world and live in it from time to time. You can make up your own character. You can take your own name. If you don't like it, you can change it. You don't like your body, you can modify it. If you don't like your gender uh, that you were assigned at birth, you can change it. And that is a pretty punk way to do. Patty Smith said, And I'm not going to use her word here. I'm going to use the word mess instead. She said, I don't mess with the past, but I mess plenty with the future. That's a pretty good punk attitude. We're going to just make the world we want to make. Our transcendentalist forebear said this. Tell me what you know. Make your own Bible. Select and collect all the words and sentences that in all your readings have been to you like the blast of a trumpet. Yeah. Make your theology and your thoughts like the blast of a trumpet to you. Now, it's hard to stay completely punk. Even the punk movement has its punk fundamentalists where they'll be very judgy about other kinds of punk music and say that's not punk this is the real punk you've departed from the punk path and the punks like most protestant denominations just exploded into fragments and there are like christian punks and muslim punks anarchy punks all different kinds of punks and um some of them are are loving about each other But some of them are very judgy about each other, too. And Unitarian Universalists can be a little bit like that, in that we have a a Puritan base or a Puritan root in our culture that, that can get pretty fundamentalist and be pretty disapproving of folks that make their own in a way that's not like the way we would make our own. And we also really do respect education and training. And so we don't really want just untrained, passionate punk ministers who are just saying what's in their heart short and loud and aggressive because we want to hear more variety than that. 
from our ministers, but there are denominations that don't require education of their ministers. But Unitarian Universalism has this tension in it in that we do want to make up our own, but we want to be with other people who are pretty well educated and who think pretty much along our own lines, who are then making their own. Kind of like the people who say, uh, you can't paint like Picasso just right away. I mean, people look at a Picasso and go, my four-year-old could do that. But the trick is to learn how to paint like the best painters ever and then express your own soul in your painting. And if it comes out like Picasso, great. So what I want you to do, my friends, is make your own theology. Just make it up yourself and and find a theology that blasts to you like a trumpet, something that you can say, I know this for sure. I am going to stand right here and I can't stand anywhere else right now. And this is what I believe. And I am going to have an authentic voice and I'm going to express my authentic voice and I'm going to trust myself and I'm going to be in this situation here. And I'm going to think that maybe if I get together with some friends and maybe if we say it loud and if we say it short and if we say it with a lot of passion, we can really mess plenty with the future. This congregation is supported by the generous pledges of its members and friends. And our members and friends have continued to pay their pledges in order to help us keep going during this time. We are very, very grateful to that. And we have kept on our hourly workers. We've received a loan from the Small Business Association, which also covers nonprofits that will help us continue to pay our hourly workers and the rest of the people on our payroll for the next eight weeks. We're very grateful for that. We hope it turns into a grant. If it doesn't, because of your pledges, we'll be able to pay it back without a problem. So let there now be an offering taken. We don't pass the plate because we're all in our own homes, but there is a link on how to donate to the church. If you would click on that link, either at this time or since it often crashes at this time, since so many people are trying to get to it at a later time, please do donate to this congregation. If it asks you for a fund, which it will, click on plate. Thank you so much. And may your gifts be blessed. And may you be blessed. And may we all continue to have the energy and the will and the perseverance to keep the home fire burning in this congregation. Please say with me our words for extinguishing the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Sing with me if you care to. Remember the way of the wind and breathe and blow. Remember the way of the fire 
and sparkle and glitter and glow. Remember the way of the water and ebb and flow. Remember the way of the earth and grow. Go in peace, my friends. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.